Hello, my name is Jacob, and welcome to episode 53 of the Folk Podcast. Today, we have another guest that we had very early on in the show. We have brought back Amanda, um, or Scotty Winters, as she is known, to discuss Scotty Ed Winter. So, of course, we had to go with the person whose name is literally Scotty Winters on most social media platforms, because that just makes sense. Um, and the last time we had her on, we talked about divination and dreams, if I'm not mistaken. Um, so this time we want to talk more about her personal experiences in the faith and in particular with Scotty, because this is something that a lot of people don't know, because our information historically and within written source material is quite low. However, there is one little tidbit of information that is really cool. And it's the fact that we do know that people, particularly in Sweden, did have a like particular following for Scotty. So Amanda, to go ahead and start it off, first off, say hello to everybody. And hello. kind of explain, <laughs> yeah, hello. And kind of uh, share with us your Scotty relationship, so to speak. Well, my Scotty relationship started really early. I felt her at an early age during a certain dark part of my time. When I was about eight, I didn't know it was her at first until my grandparents kind of pointed it out a lot later on. And I have been, uh, I didn't make an oath to her until midsummer. And then when I finally followed through with it, I did give her offerings in between then and studied as much as I can. Like you said, there isn't a whole lot of information on her, but there are uh, people in Sweden, Sami uh, tribes over there that do follow her and worship her. And I do, I just have a very good connection with her. And I feel like now for some reason, it seems to be growing a lot more so in a weird way but in a good way. It's very hard to explain, but it's definitely, she's definitely been the main one in my life. Yes. So you, you, you working with Scotty, uh, you're, are you able to like connect to her uh, throughout the year a lot? Like, cause I know she is a more of a winter goddess. So is it like harder? Is it harder to connect to her saying like spring or summer when it's hot outside? Um, for me personally, no, mainly just because like, even though she is the goddess of winter, she's the, like the most prime, I guess you could say during that time. I have, like, I see her more than just that a lot of the time. She is also a huntress. I'm pretty sure she just doesn't hunt during the winter. She has to hunt throughout the entire seasons. And I, I see her more for her strength, her patience, her survival instincts, and emotionally, mainly just focusing on her strength as a whole because of what she's been through and what she is, because she's not just a hunter, she's also a warrior. She does help in battles. And there has been, I think, a sliver of information that I read before. I cannot confirm if it's actually true or not, but there has been so like a rumor going around saying that she has helped Freya a few times during large battles with the Valkyries and being with her I don't know if that's true or not but that's actually pretty cool to think about I suppose because she is a warrior in that aspect but um but no during summer and spring and even fall leading up to winter I feel her always personally so it's funny you bring that up. Uh, well, sorry, Baker, but I was just going to say, I pulled out that book we talked about in the last episode because I was like, oh, this has a bunch of random Scotty information that has no source material. So this might mention her being a Valkyrie. <laughs> so I'm going to look into that. But Baker, go ahead. So um, through your own personal uh, journey and relationship with Scotty, uh, have you learned anything uh, different that you've not read about Um I guess, like to be able to connect with her and I guess other attributes you've learned, uh, learned about her. Sorry if my questions are a little bit odd today. I don't know what's, what's with me. Just like the last two weeks, I cannot do English. English? What English is hard. <laughs> English is really hard. Um, well, I guess the main thing, like I said before, is mainly just the emotional aspect because of what she did go through. I know many would look more towards her on um, on the more uh, warrior 
front and Huntress front, but kind of like certain aspects of seeing what Tyr went through with Fenrir, Scotty went through emotional hurt, just the same, especially if one of the stories um, with Njord and her separating and her going her separate way and him going his, um, the strength that she had to carry on after that just to continue just doing what she's doing and then just being alone through that um i think emotionally that is the main thing that i focus with with her that has been growing and here lately it's been more physically because she does represent wanting to get good hunts not just for her but probably even also to others so her actually viewing like the prey that she's patiently waiting for which is another thing that i would say is more so like even though odin has patience i also see that she does as well because a lot of people view her with skis but technically she only has snowshoes because that's actually what her name means is snow boots i think is what uh technically it is and Uller has skis, but I think with her being more with snow boots makes more sense because even though she's skilled with a bow, I think she makes takes the more stalking patience route when she hunts and doing what she's doing, thinking it through, doing what she needs to do, and going that route. So I feel like patience more than anything would be a key factor with that one with her i've noticed like one thing for myself because i i also worked with scotty quite a bit in my earlier practice um and one thing you know i, I think you would agree with this amanda is that um she's definitely one of those deities that teaches you how to survive she's very you know she's she's being a huntress and being you know just in the winter like it can be very harsh and you know just overall whether it's you know physical or emotional um or even spiritual i feel like she's one of those deities that can that you can look to to kind of help you know uh lead you by example of of it's not always as bad as it it, it seems you know or there's a way to push past or to go through it. i feel like she teaches you how to survive not only just physically but yeah mentally and spiritually i feel like as well Oh yeah, definitely. I, I've always viewed her as a, a main one for survival as well as a few others. But anytime I think about it, it's mainly her that I usually go to because of that fact. She does survive during the hardest parts of the year where there's barely anything there, barely no real way to get certain food, possibly even water without having to like melt it first, practically. But like also just having to figure out how to stay warm, keep moving, not like sleep when you get too cold because that's not an okay thing to do, but like also just studying even past winter, like surviving just navigation through the woods. If you have no signal whatsoever, like I guess that's the main reason why before I would say if anyone would want to follow her is serve if you want to take that route i would say study the survival aspects of it like learn your plants learn the trees learn how to at least know where you are like if you're in the middle of the woods there's no lights you don't have signal nothing there try and help yourself navigate listen feel see you know kind of go through that aspect and when you lose yourself to that it kind of makes you feel what she does and it'll either weaken you or make you stronger she's not definitely not for everyone because of that fact <laughs> i feel i definitely feel like i need to walk on eggshells with this because it, it is an interesting conversation but there the, the goddesses within norse mythos all seem to fit to a different archetype of being a woman 
like so mm-hmm. yes some women still want to be mothers so they can look towards frig and in lady day you know lady times you know women when they want to feel beautiful when they want to feel feminine they can look towards freya but scotty i feel like fits in a very interesting role because she's definitely the survivalist like you've been saying and this is something that yes some women want to attach to as well as i want to be a strong independent woman and i want to take no shit and i think scotty really fits that very well and which is why once again i find it interesting that we do know that she had a particular like cult as they call it of people that followed scotty even though yes that she was a Jotun, and you know so she has two things going against her in a in an older society being a, a goddess and being uh you know an outsider to the normal group being outside in nature and then also being a a, a Jotun. you know like that's not necessarily yeah. something that we you know, she's really the only Jotun figure that we see that was venerated, at least historically. Yeah, definitely agree with that. I, I, I have always viewed her, I guess you could say, kind of walking on eggshells. So I'm gonna. You less so. You're you're allowed to talk about women things. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't want to say like because I do say like she does have. I will say she does have emotions because I know basically from what she went through and like picking her husband and stuff like that it did had had said a few times that she was disappointed so she's not completely emotionless but I do feel that in a certain way she is the kind of person that if you piss off just right she's not scared to punch you in the face for so like I do feel more of that I guess you could say masculinity coming from her than fem than the feminine side um i just i do feel like she would take absolutely no shit from anybody period (laughs) well i mean i would be pretty pissed off too if i thought i was gonna marry like the son of like the head god and i got stuck with the like the fish boy (laughs) (laughs) i mean let's be real she thought she was choosing the prince and she was like all right i'm gonna get the prince based on them feet and then reveal it's the fisher the fisherman like, yeah, crap. I, think, <laughs> I think there's still some grudges there because this last winter it froze in Texas. It never got. It was colder in Texas than Alaska. <laughs> Possibly. <I'll> be- <laughs> some old beef there. Well, it's kind of like uh, I mean, this obviously goes more than your side, but like one of the things again, I, I enjoyed about my like meditations on Njord and Agir and Ron is, um, you know, like a hurricane is not a New York thing. Like Agar and Ron are not necessarily pleasant deities. Like they're very no. much the, the harsh reality of the ocean. And so to me, a hurricane is just the combination of that, the harsh reality of the ocean. And so New York would be the God you look to for defense against that. Um, but then, you know, there's a whole different ball game when we're talking about blizzards and it's like, what's going on here, you know? <laughs> well, I, I don't know about blizzards, but I know that snowstorm, ice storm, whatever you want to call it that last winter, it got cold. Like, I ain't never been that cold. I'm a big guy. I have thermal energy naturally. Yeah, it was I mean, cold. It was probably only like 50 degrees and you're like, gosh, it's cold. No, no, no. It was, <laughs> it was like 15, 15. Yeah, I mean, uh, what was it? Uh, an inch of snow shut down all of Texas. So Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, it's, we, we're not used to seeing snow. This is why we live this close to the I'm a Texan and I got a big truck, but I can't actually defend myself against snow. Dude, you all drive like longhorns. How are you not okay? Dude, just it, it, it's Texas, bro. Like we, we don't even work. Like if it if it snows at all during the winter, lost loggers, shut it down. We don't even go work. I think that's one thing that I'm looking forward to, like moving back to Minnesota and everything like that, because I will be coming back at that that transition between the fall into the winter you know and i haven't been in a minnesota winter for you know almost going on like 10 years now i am i am excited to get a a very uh, you know kind of work with her a little bit more on that aspect because i agree i feel like it is very much easier to work with her during the winter but you can work with her throughout the year it just covers different aspects and i feel like when you're in the winter that is a hundred percent i feel like the the main thing for survival that I feel like is very tied to her because, you know, at least where I'm from in Minnesota, like the winters get to, you know, negative 50, you know, plus wind, you know, so it can get even colder. Nice. Um, yeah. So it, it's one of those things. Like a light that, jacket. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you know, I'm, ex- I'm excited to experience that 
kind of that harshness and have a different perspective on it because you know the majority of my Norse pagan practice has been you know away from from that kind of weather and that sort of reality and when even when I was working with Scotty primarily I was in Florida you know so it, it's it's gonna have a whole new meaning behind it I feel like in a deeper connection you know if it's like I said, negative 50 and there's like a 30 mile an hour wind, which makes it, you know, another like negative 20 on top of that, you know, it's going to be one of those things. I feel like I'll have a much deeper connection with her than say when I was doing stuff in Florida. Like connecting to the mountain goddess in the middle of the wetlands. I would, I would definitely say if you did that, definitely take an ice bath. I'm pretty sure you may or may not regret that. (laughs) Full connection there. (laughs) <laughs> so before we dive too deep into like the winter conversation and the preparing for the coming darkness um one thing i did want to kind of like bring up the conversation more was is uh as far as like you know obviously interacting with other deities you know outside of the jotun um is there a difference to you in your experiences uh, you know following and venerating you know a jotun deity versus a or vanir do you find the experience to be kind of similar i think honestly it would mostly depend on who it is because for me personally, working with Scotty, I do feel a more connection to her with Vanir because she is more nature aspect in a way because of the winter and the fact that she also represents the mountains and um, a couple of the uh, animals as well, like wolves and snakes and things of that nature. But like, I don't feel her fully connected with Aesir. And it's the same with um, Uller, even like even with him, it's it, it's it's a fine line because I kind of get it, but at the same time, I I mostly don't. Um, I think he would be more of the Aesir part than anything else, just because of uh, like who he represents mostly, but also what he does uh, and. Uh, the fact that there's still that storyline that I'm still um, that I'm still kind of shocked about uh, when Odin left as um, left Asgard for a while, Uller was actually the one covering for him, not Thor or anyone else. So, um, so I think with other Jotun, I see them more as Vanir than Aesir just because 90% of them practically in stories that we read about the, they're mostly connected to the land somehow. Like they're either connected to mountains, uh, the ocean, uh, Ron, and then uh, a bunch of other things like that. So I, I feel the more with that than anything else, honestly. So the way I always like, you know, I brought this up before, but the way I, I, I see like the tales is explanations for things that, you know, the ancestors really couldn't put, you know, words to. They were putting these stories to basically manifest what they were experiencing. And so like mm-hmm. the Jotnar, for the most part, what we know is that Skadi is really one of the only ones we can connect with. And I think maybe that's because of the aspect of mountains themselves, her being tied to the mountains, you know, a mountain Jotnar. You know, this is something that, you know, the people in pre-Christian Scandinavia, particularly Norway, would have felt very connected to. And so when they would have these experiences, maybe they would connect it to her, especially with the skiing and hunting and things like that. That was something that was part of fairly you know yearly life you know six months seven months out of the year this was life it was this being covered in snow so i would find mm-hmm. it very difficult to not connect with that whereas like agir and ron you know i don't know if that's necessarily a connection you want you know you're out at deep sea and you're looking at the huge ocean and the huge again once again like things in the ocean just like continually grow like they just don't stop mm-hmm. until something kills them or they run out of food so to imagine what it would have been like a thousand, two thousand years ago, going across the North Sea, where things are typically bigger because they're it's colder and they can be bigger, um, you know, the size of things and a little wooden boat, I would be absolutely terrified. And so I wouldn't look at the ocean and think, "Huh, that looks like something I want to have a religious experience with." No, it's something you want to get away from and survive. And I think the mountains can be seen that as well because mountains can take your life. But as mankind has traversed mountains, I think we have developed more of a personal relationship and a spiritual connection to them as well. Oh, yeah. 
I definitely agree with that 100%. Though I would be that one to be very curious to see what's underneath the ocean because if I see a giant eye, I'd be terrified, but I would be too scared to move. <laughs> Congratulations, you have found my nightmare. No, dude, dude, I love, love, love looking at deep ocean photography, stuff like that. I, I am drawn but, um, to the ocean. I love the ocean. I'll stick uh, with my mountains. <laughs> right i'll no take the mountains over the deep ocean any days <laughs> yeah Agreed. i'm not really i'm not like scared of the water or anything like it it's just the whenever i think about like the deep and everything like that, i don't like it like imagine like idea. one of my most terrifying thoughts is the idea of laying on your back in the middle of the open ocean and just like floating there like how exposed are you and like imagine if something like bumps your leg or something like that like no I'm out. <laughs> no, dude, I, I want to be the guy that gets in the submarines. They send down in the trenches. That would be awesome. No, oh, dang. yes, yes, <laughs> that would be really cool. Yeah, no, I'm out on that. I mean, something that'll keep me up at night if I go down this rabbit hole is when you start looking up deep ocean noises. That really gets me. It, like you know, like just like the weird noises they pick up in the ocean. It's like, what is that? <laughs> Dude, I've, I've heard a few that are pretty bad, yeah. We yeah. are constantly unearthing more and more creatures from uh, the ocean depths. Like, I know this is a Scotty episode, but, like, ocean's my thing. Like, there is one uh, 15-foot great white shark that was tagged off the coast of Australia, and something ate it. It drug it all the way down to about 80,000 feet below sea level and then spat it up. And they don't know no. what did it. No, I'm out on that. Oh, dude, I love I'll take the mountains. Like, like, look, here's my thing on the ocean. Like, I have a slim chance against a bear. It's a slim one. But if Teddy Roosevelt can kill a bear, I can try. I don't think Teddy Roosevelt's going to kill a shark, uh, you know, with his bare hands in the middle of the ocean. I think you have less of a chance in the middle of the ocean fighting something. You know, no, I, I, I will ride the shark. It ain't fair. Ain't fair. I, I, will, I will gouge its eyes, grab its gills, do whatever I got to rabbit skills all right sure. they, always, <laughs> they always say to punch them in the nose that's so like, true for bears too i was about to say i'm pretty sure if you punch the bear in the nose and it doesn't hit just right you're just gonna piss it off <laughs> well um something that baker we can speak on a little bit of scotty is the scotty experience we had when we climbed the mountain yeah um that was that was odd and then on top of that we there was the are you talking about like the actual the woman the show yeah, the actual woman us, that we beat us up there and then beat us back down as well yeah and she's just like yeah this is every day yeah this is fine and we're over here dying trying to make it back down this mountain yeah i think i think we talked about that on the like when kristen and i talked about the men's and women's retreat we talked about it but yeah essentially we climbed a mountain for our men's retreat so it was nine guys climbing a mountain together um some really fellowship the ring kind of stuff and it was still winter it was february and uh i don't think we took into account that at the top of mountains it's colder and it snows more because we're idiots and so once we got to the top of this three thousand foot tall mountain it started a snowstorm like legitimate snowstorm you know where to the point where i was actually scared for my life because we're at the very top of a mountain we have three hours till sunset and it took us four hours to get to that top and I'm like, oh no. And we were kind of separated. There was like, these snowflakes were like two inches thick and they were coming down and we couldn't see anything. It was like a total whiteout on the top of a mountain. I'm like, we're going to get stuck on top of this mountain and we're out of food. We're tired and our water is literally frozen. <laughs> and so we finally, <laughs> finally get everyone together. We get like, a little bit further down this mountain and the snowstorm finally clears and we got the best view ever. I mean, honestly, it was an amazing view where we got to look over the mountain valley covered in a freshly fallen snow. And that was an amazing experience that we definitely almost died from. And we should have, we had no right to be climbing that mountain with Heath's cowboy boots. Thanks, freaking <laughs> thin ass linen pants. Yeah, his like pajama <laughs> bottoms with no underwear. <laughs> uh, definitely prepare for next time then <laughs> oh yeah i still got the snow spikes i'm good but like right after oh. this great view like this like middle-aged blonde woman honestly with really light gear walks up and you know she's this 
climbing the mountain really casually. And again, it's getting dark. We don't have long to get to the bottom. We have like two and a half hours to get to the base again. And she's just casually climbing. And, you know, I try to be nice. I'm like, hey, you know, we might, we're going to start turning back. You know, it's about 45 minutes to the top. You know, you know, it's getting dark. And we were trying to be like the the big strong men, like, oh yeah, we protect you little lady. (laughs) And she gave us this, like, it's not 45 minutes to the top. And just like up the mountain she went. And I'll never, I'll never forget that when we finally got, we finally crawled our cold, wet butts down that mountain. And we, it was getting, it was basically at this point, pitch black in the mountain valley. And we had our flashlights and we're all just kind of like crawling around, trying to find our way back to the car. And all of a sudden I just hear this little voice behind us, like, have a good night, boys. And then she just walks on by us. (laughs) And by this point, me and I think it was me and Beck had gotten ahead of everybody else. She passed us and maybe, maybe two minutes. She got ahead of us by like a minute or two. By the time we got out to where the parking lot was, she disappeared like completely. There was no solo mountain climber. Yeah, there was no other cars there. The only other car there was was a park ranger who was sitting there trying to like make sure that the people who had parked were, you know, making it out and weren't stuck on the mountain. Yeah, which glad they would were doing that because we would have been stuck on that mountain. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Nothing like spiritual motivation just to have someone pass you twice (laughs) on a mountain. Yeah, to literally lap us. Yeah, and so like you know, it, it's just so funny that our macho men's retreat, where we're like, we're dedicating this mountain climb to Thor. Yeah, manliness, macho-ness. We get upstarted by a woman. You know, like what a great deflate to our manly egos. <laughs> yep, I, it, I would safely assume she was probably just like, all right, we'll see. <laughs> and and to me, like that's the kind of story I want to tell, like my children, because. Yes, that woman was probably just a woman that lived around Tennessee and hiking. But at the same time, maybe she was just Scotty in disguise. Who knows? But at the very least, it seems very destined that she was there climbing that mountain that day. So the very least, I do. that's kind of how I see the faith is the gods kind of put her in our path. Scotty kind of put her in our way to teach us a very valuable lesson. So something I would really want to tell like my son, if we ever, you know, did a hiking activity or something like that, like tell him the story, like the very leveling story of how we got our asses kicked by a woman on the side of a mountain. (laughs) Very inspiring. (laughs) I definitely want us to move a little bit on the back half of this episode into preparations for winter um a little bit because we are moving into the fall time which i mean really the fall rituals from what we know were very tied to preparations for winter because this is something that um iron age bronze age people practicing this faith had to actually care about because winter was very scary back then and if you didn't prepare properly you were going to die yeah definitely it's the more harvesting stage um and honoring Freyr for that but um, I, I remember doing some of that with my grandparents before because I did spend a whole Yule with them um, in my youth. And it takes a lot. It really, really does because they were the ones that didn't really like going to the store for anything. They would if they absolutely had to, but they grew their own stuff. My grandfather hunt, um, my grandmother gardened and did her own thing. So like, it, it definitely takes a lot out of you during fall, getting closer to winter. But the thing that some people, I think, kind of forget is there are certain ways to still prep yourself through winter if you know how to do it just right. And there's different things that you can do to kind of help yourself um, in the long run, if like electricity runs out or if you don't have any logs that are dry and, you know, different things like that. So uh, it definitely is more time consuming, but it's definitely worth it in the end. And then starting back all over again when Ostara hits is, I think, probably the hardest one just because you have to make sure the ground's proper and things of that nature. But, <clears throat> but as far as preparing for it, there's a lot of different things to do. And depending on who you are, uh, 
definitely hunting is more of like in demand for that um, but it also depends on I think your family size too because if it's just a couple people two deer max should be okay so you kind of have to calculate those things into consideration as well and don't take what you greedily think you might need but just know if you portion it right to go throughout the winter days because I do feel people these days are like oh no I need all of this stuff but then when like spring starts to hit oh I still have like five pounds of meat left what do I do so it's definitely a calculating process all at the same time as a physical one yeah I mean that's something that um you know uh, what part of Germany were your grandparents from now that I've been to Germany I think I understand these things um I honestly don't remember the exact town, but I do know it was a little bit more north of Munich. I know Munich was at least two and a half hours away from them. So they probably were Saxon, like in Saxony, probably. Or were they in Probably so. I think it was probably around there. Yeah. Um, And so that was something I noticed when I was in, in Germany is that houses that were near the Alps all were in winter prepping mode (laughs) and uh like they had so much firewood like these houses would literally have the entire side of their house stacked with firewood and it's like oh my gosh and then you would see like a little shack down the road that was stacked with firewood like they are so ready for winter and that's something that i think definitely you know in the united states in general obviously some more rural places but for the most part most of us here have heat and we rely on it but I think we mm-hmm. definitely take that for granted. If we didn't have heat, you would be heating your house with firewood and you need a lot of firewood to heat a house for an entire winter. Oh yeah, definitely. Especially to also uh, <clears throat> uh, soak it properly just to keep it going through the night so that you won't have to wake up cold. Um, I don't know what my grandfather used. I'm pretty sure people who are f- like fire loggers would probably know more than I do about this one, but there were, I think, 12 to 15 different large logs that he would soak to let, make it last throughout the night while they would sleep. Um, and then in the morning, he would kind of pretty much put extra on it to make it bigger. But just that one would be enough. But it was like a log. It, it was a fucking huge thing. So uh but yeah like i'm not sure what he used for that but it definitely worked for sure (laughs) i think another big thing too kind of like besides the the physical preparation for winter is also that mental preparation because if you think about it you know at least i mean the four of you are all in deep southern states and those who are you know up in the north where it does snow i mean going outside i live in kentucky i ain't deep south we were neutral during the civil war thank you very much close enough you're in the south it doesn't really snow there i'm talking deep south is like below georgia is like i wouldn't even say tennessee was deep south no no i was saying below tennessee i was getting right right right, now that's what i'm saying i'm deep south and i'm proud of it yeah in other words ian Ian, don't be throwing around words like deep south to people you don't know. <laughs> you want to get technical, you got like Virginia, Tennessee, and Kentucky. They're Ian, Appalachian. Okay, Ian, Ian doesn't know this. He was raising a Yankee State, guys. You got to give him – You got to give. I him. bet you put sugar in your grits, boy. We don't make grits. <laughs> yes, I would. Anyways, um, for the, I feel like for those you know who experience true winter, let me correct myself here. Um, <laughs> I experienced true rent- winter. It was no, terrible. Those snow is not winter. No, I feel yeah. But I feel like a big thing is yeah that mental aspect because when you have you know the these snowstorms that drop feet worth of snow. You know, there's are there are chances that you will be you know stuck in your house because it is a too dangerous to go anywhere or two like you just can't physically get out of your house because you are snowed in, and you know and it, it's not like you can just casually walk outside and and take a, a nice leisurely stroll you know uh, 
down the street or to the park or whatever because it's a frozen wasteland you know and so you are inside for you know you spend the majority of your time inside for months and months and months and if you think about it looking back at more of a an iron age um time period you know that would be even more true because you know you the clothing that we have obviously in today um you know allows us to go out and be safe and you know not necessarily freeze to death within a few minutes but if you look at it you know to, to that that type of uh time period and age you know yes furs help obviously keep you warm but you're not going to be outside for long periods of time it would be probably to go to said wood piles to bring them back you know and i think it's just that can do people do something to people you know where you're stuck inside i mean obviously we kind of experience that nowadays um but that can have a huge mental effect i think a lot of the the prepping of the physical things like firewood and canning and harvesting also kind of help mentally uh prepare people for that upcoming winter I know at least with my family growing up and stuff like that, you know, during the winters was a lot more obviously spending time with family, whether that was a good thing or not, it just depends. Um, but we would tend to do a lot more, you know, family orientated things like board games and card games and, and such. Um, you know, and I feel like that's a huge, a huge thing, you know, with that preparation is also mentally preparing yourself for a, you know, if you live in an area that can be harsh um i think it's also a, a big priority as well besides just the physical gathering of things oh yeah it definitely is the the mental aspect is definitely like i think definitely harsher because it kind of like what you said about harvesting and stuff like that the main thing that a lot of people these days as well the main thing that they think of is like oh what happens if my electricity goes out and i don't have a fridge well, there are ways if you're in a colder aspect like that to prevent like your food going bad, but it just takes time to prepare things like that. Like with my grandparents, when they knew they would probably not have anything, they literally dug a hole in the ground and put their cold things inside of it. It was like a built-in fridge practically. It didn't, it wasn't as cold like of course during the summer times but for some i would say around towards fall is when the ground started to get cold and it was able to keep that those things cold my grandfather did stuff like that for the meat mostly because they didn't really have a whole lot of room to put it anywhere but then there was also like a like a box i guess you could say stored to the side of the house where they kept most of the fruit that they had and there was a couple times when I went out there, it was just covered in snow. I didn't even know what to look for. And my grandmother had like an apple in there and I was like, oh, okay, like it's, it's cold, that's great. My stupidity didn't think about it. And I tried to take a bite out of it and I thought I broke my tooth. Oh my gosh. Because I was like, oh, this thing's frozen, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just thinking about the scene in uh, Hateful Eight, if you've seen that, where they have to like literally dig rope lines out to like the outhouse. <laughs> oh, see, when you said the hate weight, I imagine them renailing the door back up against the cold wind. Close the door! Uncle <laughs> Wood by the door! Right. Right. Well, yeah, I remember talking to Soil Shaman about that. We were talking about, like, uh, just on the side of the conversation, we were talking about winter. And he's like, yeah, you know, you might get, like, six feet of snow then it ain't going away until february or march and so you just have to be ready the fact that you ain't going to leave the house for about three months yeah. <laughs> it's like basically oh, casual not leaving the house for three months <laughs> i mean i guess depending on how desperate you know you are if you need anything because they're or if you're active like my grandfather was he never really stayed inside the house he always went outside and did things my grandmother sometimes did like prepping for food or there's actually one point where the water froze and instead of going into um the uh emergency spares that they had they literally just took like cups of snow 
boiled it, melt it, and then sift through it just to make sure there wasn't like any grass or anything in there and use that on occasion. They never gave me any, I guess, because they're like, no, this might be dirty. You're young. We don't want you sick. So we'll just take the fall. But either way, like even that, even like that thought, I was like, wow, I would have never really thought of that because for some reason I just think oh it's just snow even though it turns into water whatever but but yeah like it it's definitely a long process but like many would say it's definitely worth it in the end when you're comfortable after you prepare things like that for sure yeah and ways to bring this into like our world today, you know, I always like to look at these things, especially as a, you know, modern Norse pagan, like, obviously I live in an apartment, I have heat, I have electricity, and I can buy seasonal fruit, you know, unseasonal fruit all year round. And this is a very modern decadent thing. You know, this is not something that really existed a hundred years ago. So it's very interesting the time we live in and how many people are being brought up in this world, not realizing that. Um, so something that I always, I try to bring into my life, one is buying seasonal food. Um, so it makes me feel more connected to this, uh, to the seasons, but also um, understanding how our life work, you know, life has not always been the nine to five, you know, that's again, a very modern concept. So balancing our life to the seasons, And so whether, you know, for me personally, that means I typically have a plan for the year and then I put the most work into that plan in the summer. And then the fall, I really reflect on that work and kind of reap the fruits of of that labor. And then winter is preparation for the next year and the next plan. And especially Mm -hmm. as a YouTuber, you know, this is kind of my idea and thought is, you know, and during the winter months is really a time for reflection and understanding of what you've learned from the previous year. And so as we move into the fall, and especially with our fall gathering actually happening, the moment this episode comes out, we'll be in right in the middle of it where uh, Baker, myself and Ian will be at the gathering. Sorry, you couldn't make it, Amanda. Uh, Sure, did you damn far away? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's so exciting. I, I fought with my work. Trust me, I did. And I, I'm really upset. But, but congrats on the promotion. Thank you. <laughs> but there's always Yule, so. <laughs> right. Um, but in, I think we all have learned um, that I've done the, the gathering circuit now that each gathering at each time of year definitely has a different vibe. Definitely, 100%. I'm pretty excited for this year, honestly, with uh, winter and Yule rituals coming up. I'm um i feel like it might be a little bit stronger this year so i really hope texas gets more snow to feel that (laughs) (laughs) are you going to the texas gathering uh i was gonna try to and how long of a drive would that be to you i want to say i think from here it was 18 hours just a casual 18 hours I yeah, mean, no problem. he's driving 24 next weekend or whatever <laughs> yeah it'd been like 20 plus hours for me to go to where the y'all's gathering is and then it's even a 13 hour drive for me to go to the, the one in east uh west texas what oh, dang yeah texas is too damn big <laughs> that's insane yeah. So let me get this straight. You live on the east end of the state, and you're yeah. not even driving to the full west end of the state, really just like the west middle. Yeah. And it's, that's 13 hours? Almost. Like, it, it depends on how many times I stop, wherever. Like, if I can just drive straight through, it'll be like 10. That's ludicrous. But, like, oh my God. planning for like restroom stops or like breaks and stuff like that, it's going to be like 13, 14. Texas could eat most of, like, well, it could eat the UK for sure. Oh, if it's UK, I think most of our good. states could eat the UK. <laughs> That's true, except for like Connecticut, and Rhode Island. <laughs> Rhode yeah, Island I mean, could probably eat Switzerland, honestly. I mean, yeah. yeah when you when you come to count Texas, it is the big like. Yeah, Alaska's technically the biggest state, but it's Texas is the biggest state with the biggest most population in it, as far as like United States goes. Well, you know, continental forty-eight. <laughs> I think or lower forty eight or whatever you call it. <laughs> I think kind of <laughs> on on the um, you know, kind of like you were saying, Jacob. Or no, I think it was Amanda that said it. Either one of you guys said it. I mean, we've had this conversation before, Jacob. Um, you know, just the there's something about fall for gathering wise, spiritually, that I think is um, 
more potent and i feel like it's because it's that going into the stillness of winter so i feel like it's kind of that last huzzah you know what i mean where things are very active it's a very spiritual and active time of the year because you are transitioning from very lively you know spring and summer and then things are kind of like getting that last bit of you know whatever they have left out before winter comes you know and because winter does have that that stillness um to it i feel like it's a little bit more of a controlled um season so to speak whereas i feel fall is just you know all out you know just last place at last is all last big party before you know winter comes in so i think you know, I, I, I kind of kind of touching on to the, the reflection part of it that you were talking about earlier is, you know, fall is that time to celebrate all of the all of the good, all the energy that came from spring and summer. And then winter is definitely with that stillness a, a time to reflect on things that you learned, whether you succeeded or failed, you know, throughout those other three seasons, and then look at the next year as okay. This is where I was, I was successful at. This is where I failed at. This is where something, you know, was kind of meh in the middle, you know, and now going into this next year, where do I go with that? How do I either fix it or make it better or, or keep it the same? Um, you know, I, I think both of these two seasons are some of the more potent and powerful seasons to me, at least with both spiritual and just life in general. Oh yeah. I mean, I was... I... Go ahead. Sorry, I was just going to say, like, I definitely agree, but I think the the feeling that you also feel, Ian, because I think I feel it too, but I think the way it was described to me is actually, I feel that it's pretty, pretty true still, is even though we live in the modern age of we don't really have to worry about, like, oh, am I going to survive off of whatever coming winter going into next year? But I think that energy and feeling still going from fall to winter of like that uncertainty and like the, the ending to that year plus ending to those around you if you don't see them coming around to a star. I think that that certain magical aspect feeling is still around. And when you connect with nature and think about these things, you connect to that vibe all at the same time. So I do believe it is the most powerful, but I think it's also that that mindset coming into play as well as spiritually knowing like this is what they went through. So now you're kind of feeling it and getting ready for that, if that makes any sense. Okay. Um, back whenever I went, <laughs> whenever I went up to Wisconsin back in the middle, well, not the middle of winter, the, I guess it was the end of winter as far as like the south goes it was beginning of february or late january i'm trying to remember exactly it was after the uh the men's retreat it was it, it was like late february i think it was that's when it was but it was the coldest that i've ever experienced i think the coldest it got was negative 20 and then with the wind chill it was like negative 40 but the the only thing i could think that entire time was just how much you know how much hardship our ancestors actually endured, because that's probably the closest I'm going to get to that type of winter that they survived um, until I go. We have another uh, guest on the podcast, Caleb's kid. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but that's probably the closest I'm going to get to that type of winter that they experienced unless I go to uh, like Germany, Scandin- you know, Scandinavia, or if I go somewhere like Canada or something like that. Um, mm-hmm. But it was just a really, it was a, it was a really humbling time for me, as, uh, and um, a really good connection uh, to the ancestors during that. And I'm ready for the dark to return. I'm ready for the 100%. bugs to go to sleep. That too. <laughs> <laughs> like I've been hiking in Kentucky Freaking again. And I'm like, oh my gosh, why are there so many bugs in Kentucky? Gosh, this is horrible. <laughs> and oh, I'm sorry. There's why is there so many bugs in the deep south? <laughs> <laughs> yes look at with your face of guilt ian for labeling my state the deep south 
Listen, I'm from the frozen north. I am basically Canada, so everywhere is south. This is deep south for me. <laughs> can we get a can we get an A? I'm not that not that far <laughs> north, but I'm close. The accent hasn't you come just back said yet. that you were Canada. Yeah, yeah you're basically Canada. I basically you can't go back on it now. I mean Give me a few more months. Cheese. What do you expect? Give me, give me a few months uh, before I. Uh, I can already feel your, your voice traveling into your nose. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh boy. Yeah. Give it a few months. I'll, I'll sound like a, a proper northern Minnesotan Scandinavian cluster. Oh, no. I'm gonna make fun of you so bad. Oh yeah. boy. <laughs> Even at the next ritual, like. Hell, eh? We better uh, get together and get the dead over here, eh? So uh, I brought you some donuts from uh, from Tim Hortons or what? Yeah, Tim Hortons house or whatever it is. <laughs> yeah, the thing is, you you smiled and I said Tim Hortons. You're like, yeah, that's my favorite donut, even though it's dry. <laughs> you, you dip it in coffee, you're good. If you develop the the donut to be dipped into coffee, I better get the coffee for free with the donut. Otherwise, it's a failure. Kind of. What? What? What the heck is Tim Hortons? Those bitches melt whenever you put them in your mouth. Uh, so, gentlemen, we are wrapping up here to the last few minutes. Is there anything else we want to ask Amanda about Scotty or Winter or anything about her life, and perhaps, or even her German experience? It appears we have nothing. So. <laughs> Amanda, we're probably going to go ahead and wrap up this episode, um, but we appreciate you having you on. Uh, if people want to find you, and well, if or if you don't want them to find you, then don't share. But if you want people to find you, where can they find you at? Uh, main place is just Instagram, Scotty underscore Winters, all lowercase. Um, that's really just the major thing that I am on besides Discord. So those are the only two places that I can really think of to contact me. All right. Well, thank you so much for being on this episode. Thank you for sharing your experiences with Scotty, which went with the winter and also with um, your family in Germany, because that is uh, it's really cool, especially since I just got back from there. Germany is a really cool place and very interesting at the same time. And those people are very peculiar. <laughs> Agreed. <laughs> uh, but anyways, thank you for joining us for this episode. And um, if you're interested in being on the Folk Podcast, please email us at the Folk Podcast at gmail.com and if you'd like to talk about a subject email us there as well otherwise thank you so much and until the hall winter is coming skull skull, skull. skull. skull.